have, in fact, a long-standing fantasy in which I take a younger version of myself up to the park and show him the one thing he truly has to understand. It would probably be a hassle getting him through the entrance and up to the summit of Mount Washburn. He'd be asking questions and trying to stop for a walk every time we saw a backcountry trailhead. This young guy would be distracted. I'd have to talk to him in a severe manner. I imagine it would go like this. Okay, shut up. We're going to the park, and it's going to be a couple hours driving, and I'm not going to let you talk about anything at all because you're just going to get all enthralled with this or that and lose the central theme. So here we go, and you might as well be blindfolded because we are not going to talk about the mountains that run on either side of Paradise Valley as we go up the Yellowstone River towards the entrance to Yellowstone Park. Oh, those are antelope over there. Look. Stop complaining. I'm taking you 25 years closer to figuring out the geological essence of the park. You don't care about geology? How about the end of civilization as we know it? No, I'm not kidding you. The end of civilization as we know it. Sure, right. Make fun. Just another damn thing to worry about. Dumb butt. Here's the north entrance to the park. We'll stop. I'll show my National Park Pass to the ranger in the little guardhouse. Yeah, she's attractive. I agree. Some of these lady rangers, I have to admit, I mean, if you get a thing for women in uniform. Wait, see how easy it is to let things distract you from the central point? Now we're passing the 45th parallel, right at the sign there, halfway between the equator and the North Pole. And those are elk emerging out of the steam, which comes from thermal springs dropping into the river. And yes, you can bathe in the hot pots there, where the thermal water drops into the river. But that's not why we've come to the park today. Don't those elk moving through the steam look like they're in some kind of movie about supernatural beings? But we're getting distracted. And now here we go. We're driving through the little administrative village of Mammoth. Yes, it's named for those steaming terraces of multicolored rock looming up over there to our right. Mammoth Hot Springs. Sure, we could stop and take a walk, but there are wooden stairs and wooden walkways, and you'd have to stay on the trail, and there will probably be a lot of people all bunched together looking at the delicate colors of the various thermal pools up on top of the terraces, and you'll have to hear people say things like, kind of pretty, huh? And so you don't want to go up there, do you? You're too cool for that Disneyland sort of stuff, right? See, that's what I mean. I was the same way when I was you 25 years ago. Exactly the same way. No faithful for me. Been there, done that. Now I'm too cool. This, I've come to realize, is a moronic attitude. That's why we're going where we're going today. What? No, that's a coyote. Wolves are bigger. There's some bison over there. Ignore them, please, as much as you can ignore 50 or 60 animals weighing up to 2,000 pounds apiece. Biggest land animal in North America. But we'll deal with them later. We're on our way to Tower Junction, then we'll turn south, and we'll stop near the top of Dunraven Pass, and then we'll climb to the summit of Mount Washburn. Why? because our sole ambition this trip is to begin the process of coming to grips with some of the most significant and convulsive cataclysms that ever occurred on the face of the earth. But see, here's the problem with Yellowstone. You can start off a trip with every intention of trying to understand the ultimate and end up studying wildflowers.
The whole park is an embarrassment of wonders. So here we are at Dunraven Pass, 8,895 feet in elevation, and here's where we'll park. Then we'll walk to the top. The guidebooks say the walk to the fire lookout on the summit rises about 1,400 feet and should take about two hours, much less if you're acclimated. And the view from the summit at 10,243 feet is said to be soul-stirring. Yeah, I know. It isn't exactly your idea of climbing a mountain. This is just a big, wide trail, and it used to be a stagecoach road when it was built, back in 1905. See those old clumps of asphalt? In the 1920s, when they let cars into the park, people drove up to the top. They drove up in reverse, because Model T Fords didn't have fuel pumps, and you couldn't get gas to the engine on these steep slopes. There's a sign at the trailhead which says, in effect, that Mount Washburn is a bear-frequenting area and that it is not impossible to be eaten by a grizzly while walking up this trail. I think such signs make one alert. If you tend to worry about bears, and you should, the first part of the trail may seem a little claustrophobic. It is in deep woods, but it eventually emerges into grasslands set in long, sloping aprons, and for most of the summer and early fall, these areas are alive with wildflowers. Some say this is the best place in the park to see flowers, the colors swirling and intertwining like those on an intricate Persian carpet. Occasionally, we'll get a view of the fire lookout up top, a two-story building with floor-to-ceiling windows quite a ways off. We've been at it for an hour and a half now and passed several people, except for that disgustingly fit couple who were running. They were running uphill and they were running hard. Something seriously wrong with those people. Something wrong with the slowpokes, too. We were walking at the proper pace. The Cahill pace. Now we've got about 300 more feet to the summit, and it's a steep 300 feet. The trees here, the Engelmann spruce, the whitebark pine, and the subalpine fir are all stunted and twisted, no more than six feet high, just barely clinging to life on the side of the mountain. And now the trees are gone, and on either side of the trail the land is lumpy with little hillocks of alpine tundra. There are tiny white flowers, smaller than a dime, all hunkered down low in the rocks to avoid the wind and catch the sun. The fire lookout is glassed in, and it feels good to stand inside, out of the wind, and look out to the south. There are a few other folks up there, and some of them are signing the guest book. Only a few hundred have signed the book in the past month, though Mount Washburn is one of the most popular backcountry climbs in the park. An estimated 10,000 people make the climb every year. Folks who signed the guest book have come from Japan and Poland and Switzerland and Connecticut and Oregon and Virginia. There is even some drama in the comments. Wow! I wish my husband was here. He locked the keys in the car so my six-year-old son and I came alone while he worked it out. He should have come with us. Hey, just kick in the window. This is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. Outside, on the rocks, under the lookout, there are three or four little fur balls, picas, scrambling frenetically about on the talus slope. These small rodents have one of those jet-propelled metabolisms. They do not hibernate. 
They just keep busy all winter, burning hot, scampering over the rocks under the snow. They don't run fast like hares, but they can outmaneuver most predators on the rocky slopes. And in the alpine meadow off to the west, there are half a dozen bighorn sheep. No rams, only females and juveniles. They're golden brown in color and lying in the grass, which is almost exactly the same shade of gold. You'd miss them if you scanned the field too quickly. Washburn is named for General Henry Washburn, who led a volunteer group of citizen explorers from Montana into the Yellowstone country in 1870 to investigate rumors of steam erupting out of the ground and other seemingly improbable wonders. The group had heard rumors of a great lake, but they weren't finding it. Washburn climbed the mountain we're standing on and returned to tell everyone that he'd seen the lake. Nathaniel Langford, who was along on the trip, later wrote a book about this pioneering expedition and said that Washburn's information, delivered directly from the summit of the mountain, has, he said, quieted our dread apprehensions. We have spontaneously and by unanimous vote given the mountain the name by which it will hereafter be known, Mount Washburn. So we've got pika and bighorn sheep and a trail that rises 1,400 feet from forest through abundant fields of wildflowers and into alpine tundra. There's plenty of history, too, not to mention a view that a later explorer, General William Strong, described as wonderland, grand, glorious, and magnificent. He also said another true thing. No pen can write it.